I love Jared Allen. Fear the frog. Pow! With the right hand. That's our boy Bob Schmidt. Jared Allen with the... This is the Fear the Fro podcast, a Cleveland Cavaliers and NBA podcast with Bob Schmidt. Nobody's going to subscribe. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. I'm your host, lifelong Cavalier fan Bob Schmidt, the voice of Fox Sports Radio and the host of this podcast, named affectionately after our franchise center. And what better day to do a podcast than the day after we find out that we will be without all-star center Jared Allen for an extended period of time as he suffers a fractured finger in the resounding victory over the Toronto Raptors in addition to a quad contusion. That's what it seemed like in the moment. During the game, Allen went to the locker room and didn't return. And by all accounts, I actually thought while watching the game, it was just because he got cut. They were looking at a scratch on his upper bicep on his right arm for a while and then I didn't realize that he had even fractured a finger and then only to find out in the postgame when Sham Sharania tweeted that he will be out indefinitely. Now, there's a lot of speculation that he will hopefully be back by any type of playoff run that happens. But for a, all, our all-star center, who has been relatively durable by all accounts, he's played 56 games this season out of the you know 64 the Cavs have played, so he's missed less than 10 games. We have seen a short stint of games in which Ed Davis got significant minutes, but now it will be interesting to see what kind of lineups we roll out, whether Ed Davis gets a token start, and then we quickly shift to lineups that feature Mobley and Markinen and Love, or whether we'll get more Dean Wade and very little Ed Davis as time goes on. But certainly a blow to the Cavs' hopes as they were already without Karis Levert and dealing with back issues that go along with Darius Garland. But if there is a silver lining, it's that as we got healthier and healthier and as we added Levert, we found ourselves in situations where Stevens and Dean Wade were just boxed out of minutes. And those guys, I know the Cavs have suffered, well, not the greatest run since the All-Star break. They've only won four of their last 10, and they've only won two since the All-Star break with five losses in there. So not exactly the way you want to come out of the break, but at least they're coming off a very strong victory over the Raptors, a good showing against the 76ers. That game was not a win, but the 76ers right now are the second or third best team in the East, however you want to look at it. They're tied essentially with the Bucks at the time of this taping. But the Philadelphia 76ers with the addition of James Harden with the way Tyrese Maxey is playing alongside Harden, which in that game against the Cavs, my takeaways were less about Embiid. Embiid had a stretch in the second quarter where he's very dominant. And that's just going to be the case. It does not matter that we have an all-star center. The gap between Joel Embiid and the next best center in the East, whether you want to say that's Bam Adebayo or Jared Allen or whatever the case may be, it is a chasm. So the fact that Allen couldn't do much with Embiid in that second quarter when he just kind of went on a little spurt there, I thought the bigger issue, honestly, was that Maxi and Yang were awesome in the second half. Timely shots. There was a period of time where Osmond played a very good game against the Sixers, but he was sort of offset by Yang, who was excellent from deep and contributed enough to go along with a big spurt of play late in the game from Maxi. Deep shots, 
crunch time buckets that effectively sealed the Cavs' fate in that game. So yes, they did lose that game, but it was a much more encouraging loss than, say, the one that we witnessed when the Cavs fell to the Hornets. That felt like a drubbing, and that felt like one that happened with LaMelo Ball in foul trouble. So certainly, that one was more discouraging. I would say this last two-game stretch has been fairly encouraging, despite the fact that they split the games and we lost Allen to an injury. I do think that the Cavs have a significant amount of depth in the front court, and while I would not want to be without Allen, certainly having Mobley diminishes the impact that that should have, hopefully. And maybe it leads us to getting to see more of Dean Wade, who is a guy who always brings excellent energy, along with Lamar Stevens. And those were casualties of this kind of loading up we did before the All-Star break, was that it looked like when we were healthy, there really wouldn't be roles to play for these guys. But certainly, I think a lot has to be said, especially in that Sixers game. We got some excellent play out of all our wings. Okoro came out of the gate on fire. The Cavs were 9-for-9 from the floor to open that game, and certainly it didn't sustain. They lost the game, but between Okoro, Osman, and even some plays from Stevens in there, we got some excellent wing play. And, And certainly that was the position coming into the season that looked to be the most suspect. Injuries have changed how we've all felt about that because with all the guard issues that we've had, certainly... It was a long road until Goodwin and Rondo were added to the mix, and Goodwin seems to be progressing steadily. His contributions are a little bit more consistent. He seems to be finding a stride here to the point where I don't even mind the fact that Rondo is dealing with injury issues. I think, now this is just, this is not supported by stats in any way. This is Bob's eyeball analysis of the Cleveland Cavaliers, but I thought the biggest, most concerning thing coming out of this All-Star break was twofold. First, it was the absence of Darius Garland. I think over the course of this season, what we've seen is that when Garland misses a big stretch, our offense is just anemic. And despite the fact that he came back and we still lost the first game out of the gate, he makes the thing go. Now, we'll get to see what it's like with him not having Jared Allen to have that kind of gravity of opening up the floaters, opening up the middle. Because it shouldn't be completely shut off. Mobley is still in the mix. It's not as if those lob threats are going to go away. Certainly, it was nice having both those big men there. I think the bigger issue for me has been the defensive intensity over that stretch. And I, I don't know that you can link to one specific reason. I've heard a lot of things, whether it be, oh, they're targeting love more, or guys are closing out on people who really shouldn't be closed out on so that Other shooters are getting open, but I think it's sort of just an across-the-board focus that needs to come back, in addition to the fact that I do think that we discount the type of energy and the type of selfless defense that you get when you have defenders like Wade and Stevens in the regular rotation. It was brutal watching Oubre just hit three after three in that Hornets game. You want the guys to anticipate. And that's what's been so encouraging about Mobley is that he always seems to know where to be and how far to hedge to give him the chance to be able to close out or recover, essentially be the safety net behind the guards. But in this last stretch, it seems like the Cavs are still trying to make the rotations, still trying to do the closeouts, 
but it's leaving the wrong guys open for big looks. So if there is a silver lining to this injury happening, I think the fact that we're going to need more contributions from guys like Okoro, from guys like Stevens, from guys like Wade, maybe it will unlock some of their confidence on the other end. Because you see it a lot in basketball where if a guy gets involved on offense, he gets involved on defense. It will be a combination of multiple guys who step up. But knowing that they're needed that much more, that's when we've seen the biggest games out of guys like Dean Wade or Lamar Stevens. So their minutes are all the more critical. It's also going to bring their defensive intensity, which is infectious and carries over to a lot of the guys who we rely on more for offense, be it Garland or even Mobley or Markinen, all those guys. And Markinen, fantastic game against the Raptors. Between he and Osman, 22 points and 12 rebounds. I hope that's a sign of things to come because we'll need as much of the rebounding and the banging inside as he's capable of giving. He's had plenty of cold shooting nights this season. It hasn't been incredible since the All-Star break in terms of his shooting percentages, but he's still strung together three 20-plus point games, and he's serviceable rebounding. So his efficiency, of course, could stand to improve, but I think we'll see an uptick in that because he's simply going to have to play inside and get some more post touches than he has. Maybe one of his best games of the season. So certainly him returning the lineup, returning to the lineup rather, is happening at the exact right time. Because you never want to be without Allen. But as it stands right now, the Cavs are looking at the sixth seed. They just beat the Raptors, who are the next closest team to them. They have a little bit of breathing room in the sense that they're still three games up on the Raptors. And while they have slid... I would say that the teams that they've slid below are the ones who are playing like they're definitively better than the Cavs at this moment. That being the 76ers and the Boston Celtics, and of course the Heat are on a tear winning eight of their last 10. So they are the, the one seed at this moment. But if, if the playoffs were to begin today, the Cavs would be facing the Bucks. That would be a tough matchup. However, there's a lot of shuffling that can happen between now and then. The Celtics are absolutely on fire, also winning eight of their last 10, including a big victory in which Tatum dropped over 50 points on a Nets team that had Durant and Irving back in the lineup for the first time in quite a while. So they may climb as far as the three or two seed. You never know. So if I was to handicap how I would want that to go, certainly if the Cavs stay around the sixth seed, which is ideal because I would not prefer a situation where anything could happen that could knock them out of the playoff picture and the playing games are the seven through 10. So stay ahead of the Raptors. If you finishes the sixth seed, I'm still happy. Yes, it's not as good as we were all expecting heading into the all-star break, but as much as we can look at it as somewhat of a regression of the Cavs defense, I think it's short selling the other teams in the East to not give them credit for just vastly improving. The Celtics have gotten much better. The Bucks seem to be finding their stride and the Heat and the Sixers are playing tremendously. The Sixers turning a guy who wasn't playing into James Harden was bound to do that, but the spacing that he creates and the extra opportunities that he creates, he's looked like a seamless fit with Maxi. And say what you will about Tobias Harris, but the fact that they have him as a guy who they don't even need to be that third scorer. Maxi seems to have leaped him on the ladder in terms of importance to that offense, with the key characters, of course, being Embiid, then Harden, and then Maxi. So 
for the Cavs, their schedule ahead, certainly I'd like to see them doing a little bit better than they've been lately. But I don't think two of their last seven is indicative of what it can be moving forward. I think the key is going to be to dial back in on defense because we're seemingly going to be dealing with this issue of being without players, key rotation players, throughout the remainder of this season. And whether that be Levert, we've seen some big performances from Brandon Goodwin, that 17.12 assist one. Guys can step up and fill that scoring role, but what we need uniformly across the entire lineup is the defensive effort. That can help us make up a bunch of ground. Because just let's take a look at some of the stats since All-Star break. Now, we're all aware that the biggest difference this year, over the course of the whole year, is that the Cavs have consistently been one of the top defenses in the league. Season-long averages, we're talking about a team that's in the positive when it comes to their their net rating, the fourth-best defense in the league, and just a modest 19th-best offense. But despite the offensive shortcomings and the inconsistent, a lot of that can be attributed to injuries, obviously, and not having some of our main players, as part of the rotation. But the troubling part is that since the All-Star break, the Cavs' defense has slipped all the way to 13th, and their offense is the 21st ranked in the league. So they are now at a negative differential. Their defensive rating has slipped nearly 10 spots, and some of that can be attributed to the teams that have gotten better. But if you look at the defensive rating since the All-Star break, you have a lot of teams that you probably wouldn't have expected to make big leaps. The first amongst those, the best defense in the league since the All-Star break, surprisingly, the 4-1 and Pelicans. The Clippers, that they also, winning four of their five since the break, are near the top of the league defensively. You have teams that you would expect up there. Miami, Philadelphia. Memphis, Charlotte, eighth best defense, 12th best offense. Now this is a team over the course of the season, they were the 19th best defense. So they've made significant improvements on that end of the court. You can see a lot of that in the play that we saw from them last week. That was a loss that you got to tip your hat to the Hornets. They were just the better team that day. And that was despite the fact that they had all the foul troubles. So statistically speaking anyway, It's definitely supported that the Cavs have regressed slightly on defense. What plays out now without the focal point of the defense, Jared Allen there? Mobley will certainly have to do more, which that's the next thing to look at here. What evidence do we have that over the course of the games where Mobley has been playing without Allen that we can expect realistically to sustain any type of improved defensive effort? Because without that, it will be very difficult to right the ship, well, towards the top of the Eastern Conference standings. Now, again, no secret that the best defense has been supported with both Evan Mobley and Jared Allen in the lineup. The Cavs are near the top of the league in holding teams to bad percentages when both those guys are there. 55%. That's what their opponents are shooting at the rim. When you take Allen out of the mix just with Evan Mobley, big regression to 61%. That takes them from the 99th percentile at the rim, and it takes them from the 95th percentile overall in effective field goal percentage all the way down to the 65th percentile. And and that's to be expected. 
But what we're going to see now are a lot of lineups where Evan Mobley is effectively going to be tasked to be the primary rim protector. Markkanen is going to have to play more inside as we go on because I expect, realistically, what we're going to see is a lot of Dean Wade having to guard the threes because he is fairly laterally good. I think there is something to be said for Dean Wade and his effort on defense being something that we're going to be relying on a lot to shore up the holes. But as we head towards the playoffs, let's get away from this stats thing for a bit. I was just reinforcing what we kind of already know. And it's more critical than ever because the Cavs are not being done any favor schedule-wise. Now, the next game is the Pacers. That's the last kind of bad opponent situation for a bit because right after that, they're on the road against Miami. They're on the road against Chicago. They're hosting the Clippers. They have to host the 76ers. They have to host the Nuggets. That is a gauntlet of a schedule against a lot of teams with dominant interior players. Bam Adebayo. Even the Pacers. The play that they're getting out of Jalen Smith, out of Isaiah Jackson, O'Shea Brissett, all of this without Turner in the lineup has been impressive. But after the Pacers, you have Bam Adebayo, you have the Bulls, you have the Clippers who are playing. They're playing more of that stretch with Zubac in there. So, of course, between Zubac and the return of Hartenstein, they're capable. But the big men you're facing, like the elite big men, you've got to deal with Bam, you've got to deal with Embiid, and you've got to deal with Jokic. And you're doing all of that without Allen. So it may get bad before it gets better. Because in this next stretch, the Cavs have five games in a row, which are all very losable. I, of course, am going to say I think they'll beat the Clippers, but the Heat are on fire. The Bulls are a very good team. The 76ers are going to be a nightmare to deal with without Jared Allen in the lineup. Not that he could stop and beat, but certainly it's another body and it's six more fouls to throw at him. And then right from one issue into the next, you play host to Jokic and the Nuggets. So as much as I, generally speaking, am optimistic, I do like the fact that Wade is going to get more minutes again. I do like that we'll probably see more Stevens again because he can guard bigger than his actual size. I'm happy those guys will probably make their way back into the rotation. I certainly am not as optimistic about how much of an impact that's going to have on the actual wins and losses for the Cavs over this next stretch. Now, the nice thing is that after you get through that gauntlet, then you're back into playing some of the bad teams. You get the Pistons, you get the Lakers, you get the Raptors again, who the Cavs have dusted multiple times now this season, including a massive win two times ago. But that getting that national TV game and watching what the Cavs were able to do to them, it was a great Sunday. And then they'll get to see the Magic. They have the Knicks coming up on the horizon. So certainly this next stretch, not good. But you hit mid-March and you're going to get a bit of a reprieve and you're going to get a chance to make that final push. And certainly we don't even know when Allen will be back yet. But in the meantime, there's big roles to be played for Love. Love has been the consummate professional throughout the course of this season, but certainly now he is going to get more minutes. He's going to play a bigger role. And my hope is that the fact that we're going to have to run him with the starters a lot more, it won't lead to diminished returns because him and Osman off the bench have just been spectacular. So a lot to look forward to, but certainly 
a great barometer for how this team will deal with adversity because the schedule is brutal as we come up here towards the end of this week. Thank you for joining me for the Fear the Fro podcast. I'm Bob Schmidt, lifelong Cavs fan, voice of Fox Sports Radio. Please, if you haven't subscribed yet, do so as we head towards the postseason. More and more episodes dropping. This is the Fear the Fro podcast. Okay, that's enough. Stop it! This has been another Fear the Fro it's over. podcast. That was pathetic. If you enjoyed what you heard today, put it on the highlight reel. Please consider subscribing. Check out FroPod.com for more Cavaliers and NBA coverage. That's what's on display here.